You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Rid your life of toxic people. This is Dr. Heidi. Big thank you for sharing the podcast. We are well over a half a million downloads now. And I know I say this a lot, but I had no idea that this podcast was going to do that. And a lot of that is due to you guys sharing. Um, So thank you for that. And I am broadcasting from the lake today. This is the first time I've done this, which is kind of exciting. Um, We will see. So if you hear any outside noises, that's why. Today on the podcast, I have a guest that I've been waiting to have on. I've got to know her very well over the last year. And rather than me introduce her, I'm going to let her introduce herself and kind of tell you a little bit about what she does. That's me. That's you. Okay. So let me do that better. Okay. No, 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 no. Welcome Amanda to the podcast. Um, Thank you for being here. I know it took us a couple weeks to get this coordinated. But tell the listeners um, a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Sure. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be doing this finally. We have really good conversations, um, and it's exciting to share them with all the listeners. Um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been practicing marriage and family therapy since 2015. I see individuals, couples, and families, Um, and usually I enjoy uh, couples and family work the most. That's where I like to be, Um, but I do uh, have clients that have um, addiction issues or um, all different types of things across the board, but I was thinking we're going into talking about addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And actually that's, well, I'm going to corner you more than once for a podcast. So, but yes, today I kind of wanted for you to touch on the addiction aspect because many of those that I work with are dealing with obviously not only toxic relationships, but toxic relationships that also have an element of addiction involved in Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So how do how do the addiction, the dynamics of the addiction and the toxic relationship or even addictions and just, you know, how do the dynamics of addiction play into what the relationship looks like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be complicated at times. Um, for me as a therapist and a human, 
um, I've heard that addiction is a disease. And for me, my brain then understands it as, okay, I want to be softer, kinder, more patient, more compassionate to this person, um, which is kind and great. However, and I think a lot of people do this as well, it can lead to standards and boundaries being violated. For sure. Uh, So um, I think these relationships can all have the I can fix you aspect to it, especially those relationships that partners have had trauma. Um, And um, (laughs) for me, I can fix you because because we view the addiction as a diagnosis or a disease. So, right. So we take on the, yes, but if I leave, who are they going to have? Or sure. Or if I stay around, then they won't leave. Then they won't, they won't use. Right. If I babysit them, if I am in their life, um, they will be safe. So it's, it's really just another one of the things, the responsibilities that we take on that, Mm -hmm. This, I don't mean this to sound bad, but should not be our responsibility. Right. But it, it kind of overflows, making us feel like um, part of it is our responsibility, especially if this is an intimate partner or spouse, mm-hmm. you know, because we're supposed to be partners and we're supposed to help each other and we're supposed to support each other. So it kind of bleeds over into the whole thing and then affects the whole relationship and the whole family. Right. Um, now you have a you have a super interesting story. That's one of the reasons I was excited that you agreed to be on the podcast. So tell us a little bit about how the whole addiction and the toxic relationship topics have affected your personal life as opposed to your professional life. Sure. So um, I was I have my own experience with um, my own toxic person and. Um, the way that addiction and toxicity showed up for me during um, that relationship was I would be blamed if my partner used, Um, even though I knew that it wasn't my fault. Like they like, like you did something or you hurt their feelings or you didn't act correctly. And so that's why they used. I relapsed because of you. Oh yes. And that carries a huge weight. Yes. And logically, I, and logically and professionally, I knew that that wasn't true. I, I would sit there and fight tooth and nail. That was your decision. That was your choice. Then as time went on, um, I would internalize, man, I could have done something different. It was my fault. They were doing so great in their recovery. And because I triggered them, um, it is my fault. So... You had one of the things that I feel like you have kind of an interesting um, part of your story is you were married with a daughter. How old is your daughter again? My daughter's four now. Okay. And so this was when she was very, very young. Yes. Right. And good marriage. You had uh, your practice was going, things were Mm -hmm. going really, really well. Mm -hmm. And this toxic person entered your life Mm -hmm. and actually drew you away from your marriage and your daughter. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how, how that happened and how it was that the toxic traits were so strong that Mm -hmm. they pulled you away from your marriage. Mm. Yeah. And so I, it's hard to go into it without giving a little bit of background and also Mm -hmm. maybe trying to defend myself a little bit. Um, 
so my marriage was, you know, pretty normal, it felt like. And um, when I started to feel this emotional pull and attraction to um, my toxic person, I, I, I actually told my husband that I was attracted to somebody else and that I thought that he and I needed to go to therapy. Um, and he said, no, that's really your problem. So I was really forthcoming because I was scared. I was like, this has never happened before and this shouldn't happen. Um, and unfortunately, by the time my husband agreed, um, I was already involved with my toxic person and the, my toxic person said things that I needed to hear at that time in my life. I had no idea that I even needed to hear them, but you know, it started out with, um, if you're 10% of what I see you are now, that's fine. And for me, I was, um, I felt like I had lost my identity. I, my identity was mom and wife mm-hmm. and therapist. Um, and so for somebody to say, I see you and I love that about you, mm-hmm. um, like it hit home. It, it, I felt seen, I felt, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I, this person doesn't just experience it, experience me as somebody that's going to nurse my daughter or take care, make sure that all the, um, snacks are packed or get up when she gets up or, you know, whatever, this person mm-hmm. sees me as who I am. Um, and, you know, one time I asked him, like, why are you being so nice to me? Like, don't be this nice to me. And he goes, well, because I love you. And I don't want to say this over text message, but nothing you'll do will ever change that. And, like, boom, that was it for me. I- yes. And this just makes me think of something. Isn't it? I mean, it's ridiculous now because you look back on it. Mm-hmm. It was not ridiculous at the time. Oh gosh, but, no. But the words that the words that the toxic people choose to give to us mm-hmm. are are exactly what you said. They're the words we've been waiting to listen to, and or the words we've been waiting to hear. So when we hear it, mm-hmm. we feel such a draw mm-hmm. to them. And and if now looking back, you of course know. Mm-hmm. The words really didn't hold any weight, but he portrayed oh. it like there was so much emotion behind it yep. that, that, that the draw to him was completely unstoppable. Yep. Yes. So, and, and I think, I think too, you described him to me once as you really felt like he was your safe place in the middle of all this wife, mom, you know, therapist chaos. He was a place that you could be that was safe. Yes. You know? And that's probably what pulled you away because you did end up moving out um, of the family home, didn't you, for a while? Yes, I moved out. Well, we lived separately together while I was continuously in contact with my toxic person. And um, then eventually I did move out and I was with my toxic person. And then I tried to move back in for about a month and then I got pulled back in with my toxic person. Um, so, so describe how, how you were within that relationship. Hmm. Um, like, did you feel like yourself when you were in it? I did thought you feel I like was... two different people. One when I'm over here doing this and another one when I'm 
when I'm over here doing this? Yes. I felt very much like mom and daughter, uh, mom and wife when I was with my family. Um, and I felt, um, very much like I was myself and free when I was with my toxic person. Um, however, there were, I experienced like a lot of guilt trips with my toxic person, even right from the beginning, you know, he knew I was married and he asked me if I loved my husband. And I said, of course I love my husband. Like he's my family. And you know, he's the response that I got back was I'm sitting in my closet closet crying right now. And I was like, Oh, well, I told you like, this is where I am. I, I have a family. And in the beginning I was saying, I'm not going to leave my family. Like this is, this is going to go away. Um, and it did not go away. It, no, it didn't go away for, no. and, it, and I mean, I know your story, so I know. Right. Um, so, so now you, in the beginning you said, no, this is, this is my life. I'm not leaving my, I'm not leaving my family. Mm-hmm. So what was the turning point that made you go, okay, I'm now moving out of my family home. Um, a lot of fighting. So I, we stopped talking for about five weeks and I was so depressed because I lost my comfort zone. I lost the person that I thought saw me and loved me for all of my flaws, anything that was weird or like I lost that person. And so I, was hopelessly depressed and eventually, you know, reached out and we reconnected. And I said, okay, well, the only right thing to do is to separate from my husband now, because this isn't fair um, to him. So um, what made me move out was a lot of the fights that I was getting in with my toxic person for still being in the house. At that point, I had put my daughter in daycare. So I was spending any time that I had free where I wasn't working with my toxic person. So, um, you know, he wanted more time. He wanted more attention. Um, if he, if he said that he wanted to see me, I would figure out how to do it. Um, any, anything that he asked me to do, I was trying to figure out how to do. And, and it was, you know, I kept getting blamed. Well, if you weren't living at this house right now, then it would be better. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad at you if you weren't living with him. And making you feel guilty for being a mom and being a wife. Right. And isn't it ridiculous how much stuff we will give up? The things that they can talk us into giving up. It's And, you know, that's part of the isolation. If mm-hmm. they can take away anything in our life that brings us, you know, joy or, or brings us emotional support. Mm-hmm. They try to take that away because they want to be the soul. In, you know, they want us emotionally dependent on them. Right. Which I was. And I didn't even, I didn't even see it happening. And it probably went from, you know, being super supportive about your daughter to Mm -hmm. not wanting you to spend time with her. Right. And that was um, very um, sneaky because, you know, he'd say, I love her. Like, I can't wait to see her. Um, Also, eventually I let, I did not let him continue to see her. Um, But then it would be, he would scream at me for hours on end when he knew that I had my daughter. 
And I would say, I have my daughter. I cannot fight with you. I need to be present for her. And he would call and call and call and scream and scream and scream. And I would, before I knew it, I was like, this is half of my day. And I didn't get to see my daughter. Right. And again, that's because your attention was going to your daughter mm-hmm. and your toxic personality needs your attention. So, I mean, it's, it's par for the course. It's what we expect them to do. But when you're in it, you don't understand that. Right. So, so tell us how the addiction aspect um, was involved in this relationship. Right. So um, my toxic person, I think was in some sort of recovery, but not necessarily like um, from their drug of choice, they were in recovery. I think Mm -hmm. looking back now, it's really unclear. Um, But they constantly smoked weed. Mm -hmm. They were constantly high. Um, And that was also something that we would do together. um, That also messed with my brain because I would have these big feelings, but I wouldn't be sober. Right. Now, did you feel, did you feel him pressuring you to do that? Some days. And then as I got smarter and I understood, um, kind of what he was doing, I would say no. And he would ask a couple times and I would say, no, I don't want to do that today. And then sometimes I would say, sure. But usually I would say no. Would he get upset with you if you said no? No, he would just smoke. Mm-hmm. So when we talked about a few minutes ago, we talked about him being your safe place. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was the length of this relationship again? Mm, about two years. So when, when did you start realizing that he was, he was turning from being your safe place into being your not so safe place? Mm. Like seven months into it. And what type of feelings were you having when you're like, I don't feel as safe with him as I used to? Well, it would be, I would, he would fight with me about pretty much anything. And I, you know, believed and still do believe that I ha- I do have skills to de-escalate situations professionally and personally. And I would use all of my skills to try to figure out how to de-escalate the situation and it would not matter. And by the end of the fight, I would need to be away from him for three days. I couldn't talk to him for days. Mm-hmm. And he would say like, love me or I love you or I'm sorry. And I'd be like, I don't have anything kind to say right now because I feel like I've just been tossed around um, trying to figure things out with you and trying to de-escalate you. And try- And the only thing that works was me hanging up the phone and blocking you. Mm-hmm. The only way to get him to stop would be to do something really drastic. And it would take me out of my character. And I remember, you know, in some of our talks, you would do very well at de-escalating and getting out of the situation. But the next four or five days were a spiral for you. Absolutely. Well, yes. And I remember that actually being one of your biggest struggles. You could handle the conversation. 
it was the aftermath of the conversation that you had a really hard time with. Right. Yeah. I went into major fight or flight um, when we were not in conversation, when I did not have contact with him, I would panic. I would go to the grocery store and have a panic attack. I would be driving and I would have a panic attack. And because he was still my comfort place, my brain still understood him as something that was comforting. The, my brain then recognized and said, well, the clear answer to this is reach out to him so you can feel better. Even Mm -hmm. though logically I knew I wasn't actually going to feel better, but I needed something to calm me down from those panic and anxiety attacks. Yeah. So, so you would reach out, you, it would take that feeling of, we'll call it insecurity. Sure. And and anxiety away. And it would be, and you would feel better for a few days and then the whole cycle would start over and you do it again. Yep. And I know that, you know, when, when we were talking, that was, that was a lot of um, you trying to manage yourself in those three or four days. And, and I remember you feeling like completely out of control and unable to manage yourself when you were in the situations where you had cut him off yep. and were trying to get through those three or four days. I mean, we spent months doing that, that cycle. Yes, I was so aware that I was making decisions that weren't supporting my long-term goal. And I knew that I was choosing this instant relief over discomfort and over my long-term goal, which was to not have contact with him and to be free. But I did not know how to soothe myself besides him. And again, because we had such, he was my safe place in the beginning I just kept going back to him, even though he was no longer safe. Mm -hmm. We always wait for the person from the beginning to come back. Right. So, and, and again, I remember this being very up and down and very cyclic. What was the final straw that made you realize, okay, I can't keep going back and forth. I've got, I've got to figure out how to end this. Hmm. Which time, (laughs) you know, I knew that it wasn't healthy you know, seven months into it. And I would try to leave and I would say, this isn't healthy. And he would say, give me some time. I'll work on it. I know this isn't good. And I would say, okay, a little bit of time. And then it would happen, you know, a week later and I would be exhausted again. And Mm -hmm. he would apologize. And I'd say, you know what, this isn't for me. And like, this needs to end. And he'd be like, no, not now, just not yet. And I'd be like, okay, but when, like, if you say not now, when is it going to be? And I based a lot of my decisions on how he was feeling, Mm -hmm. um, being worried for him about being alone, um, being worried for him about using again. So, um, so anyway, so it's hard to know, like the final straw was I finally got, you know, I went on to, I went on medication to help my brain because my brain Mm -hmm. was panicking. And as I started the medication, the logical parts of like the logical thoughts that I had, I was able to apply them and they stuck longer. Yes. And I remember, you know, you would feel so 
guilty when you reached back out mm-hmm. and, and you would, you know, you'd get a hold of me and be like, you're going to be so disappointed in me. This is what I did. And I thought I was out. Now I'm not out. And I would always say, you're, you're learning so much and you're starting to observe so much that even if you go back, mm-hmm. you are not going to stay there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you believed me when mm-hmm. I would say that. And I'd go, as long as you're learning something, it's okay. Right. You know, and, and of course we had the talk about how I'm not going to judge you when you go mm-hmm. back. I, mm-hmm. I did it over and over and over. So I know, I knew exactly, exactly what you were feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we all know it's hard to break ties with a toxic person. Mm-hmm. If that was, if that was easy, I wouldn't have a job and <laughs> people would need help with it. Right. So when you think back on what were the things that kept you so tied to him, you know, what were the things that make you kept going back besides the security in yourself and, and feeling like, okay, good. I'm not going to lose him completely. What are the things as, according to him that you kind of felt like, Oh, I can't leave him. Um, like what were the things that he would say? Well, like, I know you, you felt really bad for him yes. because you knew he was one that was struggling in his own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that another was- aspect of that was, um, if I remember, he was very quick to move on when you'd cut him off, he would, he would quickly start talking to someone else. So he would instill that feeling of rejection in you. And that immediately makes you go, okay, well, I don't want him, but I don't really want him to have somebody else either because I want to be good enough for him. Right. Yes. That, that was a hard one when he would have somebody else. Um, it, I would feel I mean, very confused and yes, rejected because he would say all these wonderful things about me. You're the only one, all the, it's never been like this with anybody else. Um, all of these things. And then he would quickly be with somebody else. And yes, I, I did leave. Right. Like, and I, and I did say that, like, I chose to leave. He's allowed to do whatever he wants after I choose to leave. Um, it's tough when like somehow I figured it out or if he would say, no, nothing's going on. And then I realized that something actually was going on. I think that was the part that was hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember he was very quick to deny that things were going on too. Yes. Which was also very crazy making for you. And I remember a constant worry that if you weren't close enough to him, he was going to fall back into the addiction cycle. Yes. And I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like he was in it the entire time. But you, I think so as well. Um, but he gave you inclination that he was doing better with it when you were there. And he used that as a tool to make you feel like you had to stay close. Because yes. what if he goes back to it? And I, I really feel like he, he didn't really change his behavior, even though he wanted you to believe he did. Right. It was never very long. And... Um, you know, I had, there was one time that he had said to me, um, I used because of you. And the next morning I checked on him and I was like, how are you? I'm sorry that you used. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, you told me that you used last night. And he was like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I did not use last night. Oh, so he, he used that as a ploy to get you to To feel like you had done something wrong. Right. And to check in and to come back. Right. It wasn't, it was more so my guilt of, okay, that was his choice. And now I should go and check on him and make sure that he's okay. Yes. And that was 
that whole cycle with the with the addiction mm-hmm. was was a big strong pull for you too because you were worried about him. Yes, that's how I got pulled out the second time. Was you know he I wouldn't see him, and I would talk to him on the phone. I was trying to set these boundaries, and he said, "I have a huge line of coke." on my dresser. I am going to use it. If I like, you don't care about me. You're not going to come and see me. And so I was back at my house with my husband and I looked at my husband and I said, you're going to think that I am insane. I'm going to drive there and like tell him not to use. And he's like, are you kidding? And I was like, I don't know what this is. I have no control over this. My body just wants to go. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that this doesn't make any sense. And I, but I'm going to go. And I went and he, like, he didn't, he threw it all onto the ground. I'd never seen Coke in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, threw it all onto the ground and didn't use. And I was like, okay, see, like, I care about you. All while, while he had a girlfriend and I had my husband. Right. So looking back on that, don't you just go, what in the world? Because you're not you're not normally one who's going to get caught up in, in a cycle with, you know, with people and things and, you know, the substances. Right. That's not, that's not you. So looking back, are you just like, what in the heck? Yes. What in the heck? And then I started to catch on too, though, because when he would pretty much challenge me to prove my love, I would accept the challenge. I would say, okay, let me show you how much I love you. I am going to separate from my husband. I am going to give up my house. I am going to find a different place to live. I am going to mm-hmm. risk this. I I am going to come and save you from yourself. I'm right. Like all these things. And finally, whenever he, like towards the end, whenever he would say like, you don't love me, I would be like, I am not proving my love to you. Because what, you, because what you did trying to prove was never good enough anyway. Exactly. As soon as you got, as soon as you left your husband and as soon as you got the apartment and as soon as you, you know, gave up time with your daughter, well, then he was on to the next thing that you weren't doing correctly. Yep. So tell us where you are now in the process. Now I am about four months, no contact. Um, and I mostly feel good about it. Um, I am back at my house with my family. Um, I, uh, have you, you know, you know, I know in the beginning he still occupied your thoughts a lot. And and part of that is because he had your attention for two full years. So your brain already, you know, defaults to the attention being there but over time over the last four months have you been able to put your life back together and get back on track without having him occupy your your mind yes absolutely so I you know for two years I always look at my phone and I have messages from him many messages from him and I have less, I've been looking at my phone less in that way, or he found a way to continue to contact me even when he was blocked. And that lasted for two months while I was not talking to him. And that was really difficult as well. Um, but, and even kind of um, detoxing myself off of that when he stopped 
trying to contact me, detoxing myself. Well, what is he doing? Is he okay? Is he with somebody else? Like those thoughts also have really kind of gone away as time has gone on. And as I've kept being like, that was not okay. I think the biggest thing right now is I'm in shock about a lot of what has happened. Mm-hmm. I look and isn't it and I strange? Go, like, isn't it strange how you had this cute little life, and not not that it was, not that it's perfect. Nobody's life is perfect, right? But he was able to spiral you into two years of complete chaos. Yep. yep. And now he's gone. The chaos is gone, pretty much. It really is, and it's. I don't know how I survived. Like I was helping people. I was in fight or flight the whole time. I know that I was not the best parent that I possibly um, could have been during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I look back and I'm like, what was that real? How could that have been real? And it really wasn't real. It was all there for what he needed. Exactly. Obviously. So, so as far as, you know, your experience, what would you want to tell, what would you want to share with the listeners? If um, you could, if you could share one thing. Hmm. And um, it could be about the addiction aspects too, you know, because we, we like to take responsibility for it for some reason. How did you realize this is not my responsibility? Yeah, that one's a hard one. And I think for people probably that are also that are in my position or listeners, we need to be able to give ourselves permission and believe the permission that we give ourselves. This is not, I did not make this person do this. This person does not know how to regulate their um, emotions they don't know how to self-soothe and the way that they self-soothe is in an unhealthy way. And it's not our job to help them get healthy. And again, a lot of us think that it is, well, I'll just help them get healthy and then we can be together and it'll be beautiful. Mm -hmm. No, we can't help anybody get healthy. So you just, you just said something that made me remember Tell a lot of people struggle with the ability to self-soothe just Mm -hmm. like you struggled with Well, you put a lot of things in place so that when you needed something to help you calm down, what were some of those things that you put in place as, um, exercises or as a plan so that when you couldn't self-soothe, you had all of these things that you could use? Sure. Um, I, I mean, I tried a whole lot of stuff. Um, I did acupuncture and I did yoga. I tried breathing exercises, um, moving my body somehow, contacting somebody else. Like I had a plan. I had a Mm -hmm. safety plan. I, you know, I would text you. I would, and then I would be shaking. I would be like, okay, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, And I wouldn't find relief until I, had made some sort of contact. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that my brain was in a place where I could really completely regulate. My, it, there was too many chemicals going on. Like there was too much cortisol, too much stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And again, 
I hadn't strengthened the positive coping skills. I hadn't strengthened those to be my comfort. He was still my comfort. And I think that's where a lot, you might find this in your work. I think that's where a lot of people give up Mm -hmm. because, because finding the coping skills is hard too. And if you don't have any direction on how to do that, it's just Mm -hmm. easier to stay in what we're in. Right. Because I know that you pushed those coping skills. You made yourself go to yoga. You made yourself do acupuncture. You, you know, you were on the calls when we had them scheduled. You were, and, and I think, you know, that's, that's part of it. You have to keep pushing through. It's healing from it's hard. You, Mm -hmm. you know, that getting out and healing from this is hard. Right. I think it, it comes to the point where you have to realize, yeah, that's hard, but being in this relationship is really hard too. So which hard do I want? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And you have to know that because, because I knew you a year ago, Mm -hmm. I am so proud of you. You have worked so hard to get to where you're at. Thank you. Yeah. I don't think I could do it without you though. Well, I will tell you it was, it was an adventure for me to be able to work with you. But the thing that, that I thought you did great was you didn't believe me. A lot of the things you know, when I'd say it's okay, if you, it's okay that you contacted him, it's not that big a deal, right. but you, but the thing about you, you never gave up and went fully 100% back after I met you. Yes. It was, it, it might've been two steps forward, one step back mm-hmm. some days, one step forward, three steps back, but you never took your eye off the goal that right. we need to get this over with. And I need to get back to the life that I need to be in. Right. I I do remember you saying, you'll leave when you're ready. And I'd be like, or you'd go, you're just not ready yet. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I know that I'm ready. Why did I, how did I get back here? And um, what I say to my clients and what I say to myself, especially looking back now is um, let's collect data. So you try something the first time it doesn't work. Okay. You go back. What do you need to do differently when you try it again, it doesn't mean don't try it again. It just means you didn't have all the support that you needed, or mm-hmm. you forgot this piece, or you didn't think that they could come and get you. They could reach you again when it came to a social media post or like there. And then you fall back in because of that. Like, it doesn't mean that you fail. It means collect data on where you are somewhat vulnerable and support yourself in that way. Exactly. And I think too, when we look at getting out of a relationship like that, you know, getting into it is such a slow drip. Mm. We don't realize how deep we're in it until all of a sudden one day we're deep in it. Exactly. And so when we look at getting out, it's, it's such a huge mountain to overcome mm-hmm. that we can't look at it. And this is kind of what we do. We can't look at it as, okay, now I got to, I got to run up and get over this mountain. Right. It literally is a one step at a time process. Otherwise, One painful it's too overwhelming. step at a time, painful, slow, talking to yourself 24 <laughs> seven. Yes. 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 And you will never get rid of that talking to yourself habit. It's mm-hmm. very good habit to get into. I talk to myself all the time. And part of it is because when you say it and you hear it and you think it, mm-hmm. it, you know, you know, this, it processes much more slowly and much, it's much more valuable and makes more of an impact. Um, so yes, I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the podcast and we, you and I have already talked. We actually have another um, topic that, so she's going to be on the podcast in the future again. And I love so much that you've been able to share so much of your story because I know it's going to hit home with a lot of our, a lot of our listeners that are struggling with the addiction aspect and 
the aspect of c continually slipping back into it. So we don't want them to lose hope because I never lost hope with you. I know you felt like you lost hope with yourself a few times, Yes, but you did. I am so proud of you and I'm so proud of where you are right now. Thank and, you. Thank you for um, having me on. Yes. And we'll, we'll be in touch because you're going to be on again sometime very, very soon. So yeah. until, until then, um, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. And if anybody ends up having questions from this podcast about addiction, more specific, you can shoot them my way and, you know, we can go into it deeper or something. Yes. I'll figure out how to do that. Um, but there is going to be questions for yeah. sure. So, um, yes, I'll figure out how to forward those to you and we can get those cleared up. But, um, I know it's, it's, um, coming down to the end of the summer, but enjoy what is left of your summer and get a little sunshine and mm -hmm. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with others. Looking for a community that understands? Join our Facebook support group, Strength Within. For more information on all the services Dr. Heidi provides, please visit www.coachingwithdrheidi.com. It's time for you to break free because it's not normal, it's toxic. <laughs>